Bang. This is it. We're doing it. We're doing it. Welcome to the first episode of Who Writes This Stuff, a podcast of conversations with creative minds and the bodies that are attached to them. I am singer-songwriter, now podcast host, Nick Flora, coming to you live on tape from my house in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm really excited since uh, I've had this idea to start a podcast for a while now, um, but never really knew what it should be about, and things should be about other things, I think. It's a personal philosophy. Um, then, while I was making my last record, Hello Stranger, available on iTunes, and having many, many conversations kind of before you start that process, dealing with the the creative process and songwriting and kind of all of these things that are needed to make a record with the musicians involved as well as the producer of the record itself it hit me that this should be what the podcast is about i think this is interesting and other people might find it interesting as well so it's kind of a veritable behind the music of sorts with some of the creative minds i've come in contact with over the years so starting off the first episode of who writes this stuff is my conversation with uh singer songwriter producer andrew osenga who you may know from his involvement with bands like The Normals and Cabin's Call, as well as his solo stuff. Uh, and producing some amazing talent out of Nashville as well. He's an amazing producer. He, he produced my last two records, and I honestly don't know if those records would have got made if it wasn't for his kind of uh, being a champion of, of them and me as an artist. Like He really has that quality where he just believes in getting good art out there and bringing it out of you when you honestly don't know if you you have it in you like uh, sometimes it's so easy as an artist to just kind of uh implode on yourself and just get wrapped up in your whiny little emotions and stuff like that and not really you know believe in yourself and and he he has a really good way of 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 seeing that and and saying get off the get off the couch and and actually you are talented and I want to help you make this thing that is in you that I know can be great. And uh, he's a really interesting guy to talk to and has some fascinating and poignant things to say in the world of writing and just being creative in general. So with that said, here is my conversation with Andy Osenga. Yeah, I, I remember uh, going with you to it was in Nebraska. And you're like, let's stop in here. And we stopped. Oh, that's what, yeah, I was, I was really into Jazz Master. I played that Jazz Master for like an hour. You remember that? that oh, was yeah. Like, that was like four years ago. That was. I remember going in there and you just being like, let's, uh, something. And that guy, was, the guys in there were kind of like that, you know, like you could tell they worked there, you know, for years. And yeah, all these like, people they had that or... They had that guitar store condescension kind of thing, <laughs> passive aggressive condescension. Yeah, down. it's like, um, can you, you need me help you plug that in? Like, oh, I, I can handle it. <laughs> Which button do I push? <laughs> Which one makes me so like Steve Vai? <laughs> now, how many necks of a guitar do I need? Like <laughs> two, two or three? I, I mean, I know any more than a two neck guy. Any more than one because we're in the twentieth century. Mm-hmm. Still the twentieth century, right? It's not. Okay, yeah, I like my guitars on. like I like my women. Two or three necks. <laughs> I'll just dive into it straight up here. How much money do you have? Not just much. Just kidding. Uh, on Kickstarter, not bad. Yeah, seriously. Andy Osanga, thanks for doing this. Um, you're welcome. I, I, I figured that 
the person that I wouldn't have the hardest time trying to get together with would be you. But for, because we were together for so long making a record, and so I was like, yeah, he's easy to get a hold of <laughs> when I'm paying him. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but you but also came out wrong. You also do other things. Uh, yeah, so. no, it's just this, this has been a crazy season. Yeah. But oh, you're one of the one of the people who kind of sparked the inspiration for doing this podcast, actually, because while while making this uh, new record that I that I put out, and um, we're just gonna talk about me. Well, that's Wrong. good. Okay, but uh, while, while making this, like we one had my favorite we subject. had <laughs> we as it should be, um, we talked a lot about songwriting and what makes a good song. And just over the years, we've had these kinds of conversations, and I was like, I this this would be I would listen to this if. If I didn't have to be here to listen to it, uh, and so Please stop talking and play guitar. So you, you you say things good. So I wanted to come here. You grew up in Illinois. I did central Illinois, which is known as the the mecca of corn. insurance. Insurance, I think. Insurance, yeah. State Farm, well, their headquarters. They employ like over half of my hometown. Oh, really? Yeah. What a uh, growing up in in central Illinois, normal specifically mm-hmm. growing up in kind of the middle of nowhere <laughs> as far as a lot of things go mm-hmm. what first got you interested in in music my parents are really musical my dad both my parents have been like music teachers at certain points my dad was a high school band teacher and my mom teaches elementary school music so like they're very musical that my dad's the choir director at the church on the country and um, makes them sound more bumpkin than they are when I said it that way, but yeah. it's but the church is really in the middle of cornfield. Yeah, so there's just there was always music in our house, but it's, it's not the kind of music that I make. Yeah, my dad like was really into big band music and marching band music, mm. and that so you know brass. John Philip Sousa was like a god in your house. Oh man, yeah, and Gershwin. My mom's really into Gershwin and that oh, kind yeah. of stuff. And then you know I was raised on like Twilight Paris and Sandy Patty and. You know, I remember like getting a Stephen Curtis Chapman CD and it being like, "All right, we're we're gonna kind of roll the dice on this one," yeah. you know. And this guy's a little too hardcore. I know, I know. He has he has long hair and Toby Max rapping on the. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I might have just crossed my records there. Yeah, I think he cut his hair before he started rapping. These are the things that you know when you grow up in the culture it's, that I. Grew. It's true. And there's some people who are gonna listen to this and be like, "Yeah, totally." <laughs> Thank you for assuming that people are going to listen to this. I, yeah. that. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Got that, Jeff? Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, anyway, the music was always just a big part of our Was it one of those things family. because you your influences were first, <laughs> first from the church? Was it one of those things where when you started introducing music that wasn't from the church, it was kind of a, like, mm. uh, you know, like, I don't, I don't want to use the word secular, but because that was that is the opposite of Christian, as we all know. As we, uh, all, as we all know, polar opposites. <laughs> uh, th- like when you, when did you first start kind of listening to not Twilight Paris? I well, I started a uh, a paper out in sixth grade. It was the community paper or community news. It was that annoying paper that's only delivered on Wednesdays. Oh. You can't figure out how to cancel it. it just sort of like shows up <laughs> your out. And uh, but they paid, you know. Sixth and seventh graders to deliver those once a week, and I had a little Walkman. It was just a radio, mm-hmm. and so that was like my first that hour of once a week where I would get to work. That was the only time I basically would, could listen to whatever I wanted, and I would listen to the pop station, which at that time in like nineteen ninety ninety one ninety two was like uh, Toad the Wet Sprocket's first record, 
Peter Gabriel's Us, like the singles from that record. Um, Don Henley, uh, Act Tongue Baby, like all those singles were hitting. And it wasn't, they weren't playing like, I guess, I don't know, whatever station I was listening to, and I don't really know, but like they weren't playing like, uh, like New Kids or whatever. Like it was like yeah. that kind of music. Or maybe it was just because it was out early in the morning, but I'm playing like Bonnie Raitt and, you know. There's probably some early morning DJ who who they were, was anti pop music who just just wanted to play what he liked. But I mean, like those were huge hits. Like those were big songs. Like those were pop songs. Like mm-hmm. Annie Lennox walking on broken glass. Like that to me. Whenever I hear that, I'm 12 and I'm delivering papers. Like, but what's? But I didn't know who anybody was. I didn't know any names. I just sort of knew this. I would learn those songs, and they were the same songs every week, pretty much. Yeah. The, to me, my favorite year of recorded music is 1991. Like, when I just think of all the records that came out that year, it's like all those records, which I still love all of them. And, uh, like, Pearl Jam's 10 came out that year, and I was like... Oh, wow, I didn't like, realize it was that early. Yeah, like, literally, like, three or four of my top 10 records came out in the same year. Do, do you and they attribute were all it on the radio. to that? Do you attribute it... I mean, I'm sure there's... genuinely good I'm sure there's... I mean, they are... I mean, to me, Act Like Baby's the best record that's ever been made. Right. Peter Gabriel's Us is, like, is up there like it's yeah. the top 10 you know Pearl Jam's 10 is a top 10 and um and so I mean those were the it's but so I mean some of that's I don't know chicken or the egg probably but like mm-hmm. I don't listen to those records now and think oh I'm 12 like I listen to those records I'm like man that's so good I just want to write one song as good as yeah. anything on Act Tongue Baby so but you know I think that, that was the first place where I sort of got a taste of that and I just loved it mm-hmm. and then um I got to be. I didn't have any friends in junior high, um, literally. No friends. I, yeah, lit, literally. I had one friend. His name was Mark Lockett. And we started a band together. And um, I mean, like in our junior high, like the lunchroom, there were you know probably like twenty tables, and there were sort of. It was literally. It was like a chart. It was like a bar graph of popularity, like where you got to sit. You know, like if at the far end with the super popular kids and the table next to that where the kids were almost as popular as the super popular kids. Yeah. And it like went down. And I literally sat on the other end with a bunch of Japanese students who didn't speak English. Like those are the only people that would let me sit with them. I had no friends. Uh, Why was that? Were you just a late just bloomer a, in personality or you just didn't Yeah, I mean, I care? was just a nerd. And, oh, okay. I mean, I, I just didn't get how to be with people. Like I just I was and socially I for, awkward. I forget and, because we have been so immersed in this culture now. But like nerds weren't celebrated. No, jocks were celebrated in the nineties. Uh, yeah, yeah. The fact that I thought Star Trek was cool was not helping me. You know, and um, now I'm yeah, now I love it. Yeah, actually, I don't like Star Trek, but I like sci-fi. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's not. It's okay now. The nerds won. Yeah, it's true. Um, but at the at that time, they were not winning. At least not in. Chittix Junior High. Um, so that said, I had this one friend who didn't go to my school, so he didn't know how unpopular I was. Cha-ching. I know, and um, and he was a year older than me. He lived two blocks away, and we got to be friends. I and um, we were just two weird kids who were like, "Hey, there's somebody who'll talk to me," and we <laughs> and we just became best friends kind of immediately when we met. We were probably eleven and twelve, twelve and thirteen. And that's like Mark. That. Yeah. Lockett. Mm-hmm. Somewhere, like, right when I met him, he also delivered the community news at the street right next to mine, so sometimes I'd see him in the morning. Um, But he had just started playing guitar, but we would go to, like, youth group. He would come to youth group with me at church, and and he'd bring his guitar, and, like, the girls were crazy for him. He could do no wrong with the ladies. 
because it, because guitar. of the guitar. And I was like, oh, I got to do this. But my <laughs> parents, my parents were not um, into that. Um, they were not into instruments the, or the, well, rock and roll. Oh, like okay. so you wanted to be very, band, very, cons- so. very conservative. I mean, I didn't even. I didn't think enough to like, I want to be in a band. I mean, I had no, I didn't even know what that really meant. Yeah. When I was 12, I'd never seen a band. I just, yeah. girls were responding to music on the guitar. The music on the guitar was music that I, that I actually enjoyed. And I, I mean, the music that I was listening to at the time, I was listening to what was available to me, but I didn't like it. And I knew I didn't like it, but I still listened to it a lot because it was music mm-hmm. and, and I loved Take it. Take what you can get. Yeah. And, but it was, I mean, I remember... I mean, the, the first time I heard, uh, we, I could listen to Weird Al, mm-hmm. and I remember hearing "Smells Like Smells Like Nirvana," which is his yeah. his like joke. Smells like Teen Spirit, which was the first time that I had ever heard any music like that at all. Me too. And that song blew my mind. <laughs> the parody. I remember of the, the parody song. of it. <laughs> I was like, "Oh my goodness, what is this music?" Yeah, I've I must find this. And then, of course, it's like, even knowing that it was a joke, like, I got that. I was like, there's probably a better version of this somewhere, you know, and, <laughs> which was true, you know. And um, and I think Mark was in the Columbia House thing, you know, like the 12. Oh, yeah. They, they, they'd rip you off with like that. Wait, 12 CDs for a penny. That's but right. then if you don't mail this thing back on, you know, next Thursday it's of 2000, you know, like a year later, yeah, we're going to send you a random that. CD for crazy amounts of money. But he didn't, you know, whatever. He forgot to send the thing in or whatever, and he right. got. And they sent him Pearl Jam's 10, which is where I heard that. And it was like, mind blown again. were like he's a genius <laughs> i think they're like what are uh, we doing here like yeah. what are we what's um i think they were a little worried um it's surprising how many people i've heard tell me like have started playing guitar on a guitar that was like it was like a dobro like how far yeah it's off the, oh how man the strings are off the fretboard it's it's crazy how many people 
started like that. So when they actually got a real guitar, they were like, oh. Oh, I remember, yeah, like picking up a, a, a yeah, a real guitar. Right. They'd just be able to be like, dude, I could do anything on this. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I mean, I have, like, I've been playing guitar for a living for 14 years, you know, and I've been doing it seven or eight years, and I remember play, going to Moke's studio and picking up, and he, like, knew how to set up his guitars, and I didn't ever do that. And I played his guitar. I was like, this is so much better than mine. I can do anything on this. And he's like, it's not that special, dude. Just get it. I was like, how are the strings so, like, in tune with each other? And he's like, it's set up. Like, it's like 30 bucks, you know? Once a year, you know? Like, Who's oh, this kid? I know. No. No, I do that. And it's good. It is kind of embarrassing, the things that you shockingly don't know like sometimes there are just these things that slide through the cracks you're like oh I've heard those words but I, I never put them in <laughs> yeah. and, and things oh you should have known this years ago oh yeah oh I, <laughs> I remember... still have those where I'm like oh no <laughs> I remember I had my first car I got my first car like when I was a junior in high school or senior in high school I guess and um the drummer of my first band like he worked at the Jiffy Lube and so I'd had that car for like over a year oh, I, know, I know this is good. and I, you know it's like I'm gonna get an oil change you know cause Ed said he'd do it for free you know and he's like dude when did you get this the oil change last I'm like oh, I don't know I've never done it before and he's like it's like you're like 10,000 miles over <laughs> <laughs> like oh oh that's a thing that you do I don't think I knew that you had to do this you know I just I thought I was like I know that, you know that's pretty hot stuff. I'm getting, yeah. And I'm I was one of those kids that I was so obedient that I would just, if, <laughs> if somebody would tell me how to do something, like, or my dad would show me how to do something, he would just kind of give you the, the gist of it. Like, oh, you do this and then this. And, like, when he gave me a car, he was like, this is how you fill up the tank. Here are the keys. Yeah. And and, and so I, and I, and I was like, I was never told that I had to do all these other things, you know. <laughs> I, I busted a tire on my car. What do I do now? Like, you get another one. Wait, wait what? How do you do that? How do you what do you just go to some store? You just throw your car away? Some you get a new one? <laughs> you, go to the, you go to the car store? <laughs> I don't understand. You light enough fire in an alley and you run. That's what you do. Yeah, it's not a very green way of doing things. No, it's not. Yeah. Um, Wait, my car's running in the parking lot. Do I need to turn that off? Nah, it's cool. Okay. <laughs> You're in Barry Hill. Nobody will steal it. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> I don't know what we're talking Speaking about. Of green, I don't either. Uh, <laughs> oh, no, when you first started... How long, when you first started introducing guitar into your house or whatever, did you write your first song? Oh, yeah. Well, um, I started playing it at Young Life Club. I went to um, Young Life, which is like a ministry for high school kids. They had like a weekly meeting, usually in some kid's basement. And I remember the first, like, um, I don't remember how I got in. I just discovered this thing, and I was a freshman in high school, and it was at this sort of cool cool kid's house who's like a senior somehow I got invited like Monday night and I went and there were these two college kids like playing guitar but they were terrible and you knew they were terrible then yeah and they knew they literally like my first night there they were like hey if anybody here can play guitar like we would really love a guitar player you know it's like they have an overhead projector with like they're doing, you know, Brown Eyed Girl and mm. Free Falling and, like, those kinds of songs, you know, Help and... Yeah. Um, and some kind of radio, basic radio songs, like, just really easy songs. And the chord, like, the words are up on the screen and the chords are written above the words, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I sort of... Uh, somehow I, I 
<laughs> lied to them that first night. Like, I don't even know how I got the call to even, like, talk to these people who were 10 years older than me. I didn't, I wasn't talking to people at that point in my yeah. life. Um, <laughs> but I got, I sort of said, I, I can play guitar. And they're like, do you have a guitar? Like, no. Can I use yours? <laughs> so I would literally, I would play once a week at Young Life Club. I would go and I would pick oh, up wow. this borrowed guitar. And then I would, I, and I would like if it's, I would only play the chords that I knew. So it was like, if it was in D, and I'm like D, I could play D, and then A, and it'd be B minor. I would just stop playing for a whole measure, <laughs> and then just pick it up with the G, and like because I, I didn't know how to make a B minor, and um, you know, and so I mean I I got playing more and more, and you know started bands and stuff like that, but but all through I was always playing music at Young Life Club for mm-hmm. four for four years. Which meant just like by the end of my high school career, I had learned like hundreds yeah. of pop songs. I was just like just traditional John Denver and you yeah. know, like James Taylor and just like just classic pop structure. Yeah, the yeah. you know, what I like about you. You know, I'm yeah. just like I'm but what's awesome about that is like you, you know, different different eras of pop music and different writers will do different things with their like even chord you know, intervals like you know, one six four five. Like that's how I probably discover like the major two and the major three chords. Like because we're playing Beatles songs and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, worship songs, which are the only other songs that I ever played. Mm-hmm. Like don't do that. Oh, you know, and, yeah. and or thinking like, you know, just like Tom Petty takes a while before he changes chords, and the Beatles change like on every word. Yeah, you know, and 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 um and so you just sort of just by osmosis soak in all these different sort of writing styles. So, I mean, I started I started writing. I think I wrote my first song when I was 15. Like, all of my career, like, the first time when I haven't written in a long time and I sit down, usually the first song's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like when I haven't run for a while, like, the first time I can run, like, three or four miles. And you feel good about yourself. And then the next day, I'm like, I can barely go a mile. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that first song was actually pretty good. <laughs> um, and then the next hundred were awful. Do you think that um, if your first song wasn't good that you would have stopped no would... i didn't know it was good oh, okay. i didn't know any different thinking back on it now I'm like you know what that actually was a pretty good song i mean it was pretty <laughs> cheesy but but no for but like like i might need to dig that out but you but unknowingly you had, you'd done the work by playing all those pop songs yeah so that well that's yeah i was like we were just i was learning that language and mm. in high school uh you know i did all the tip things you're supposed to do math and science and whatnot but i um i wouldn't I was the only kid of my graduating class that had been in choir, band, and orchestra. Like, I just went through all of it. Like, So you had a lot of girlfriends. Yeah, if, if, you know, there was a, there was one year there where there were a lot of cheerleaders in choir. It was good. There weren't a lot of guys. It was good. Um, <laughs> Choir's like the yoga. That's a hint, guys. Choir's like the yoga for high school. <laughs> yeah. Like, you could do it. Go, yeah. go to choir. It's not like they're home. in there and yeah. they might talk to you if you sit next to them. Yeah, they don't have any choice. They're bored. <laughs> well, what do I say? I don't know. Don't, don't overthink it. Just go, yeah, man. Just, just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just got real. I got really into music, and then I, I had a bunch of good English teachers too. There was a great English program at my high school, and so like, you only had to take so much math and so much science. Like my senior year, I didn't have either math or science classes, you know. And, I was pretty much in orchestra and choir. I played the upright bass mm. in the orchestra, and um, and then 
But yeah, I had these great. I had like we had like a poetry drama short story class. It was like a 20th century novels class. Oh wow. The creative writing class. And I mean like the creative writing class, things that I learned in that class, I I I'm verbally using on a weekly basis with my clients as a producer. I mean just like Wow. Little like nuggets like show, don't tell, don't rhyme for rhyme's sake, mm-hmm. and avoid cliche and you know, I mean just like the, the super basics of like how to write that if I hadn't been taught I wouldn't know. You know, and I mean but I use every day I mean and, and watching people come in who've written write hundreds of songs and don't sort of know these basic things of like oh like the reason these aren't these songs aren't connecting is because like there's simple things that you can do to sort of help get you know the song is just a vehicle for communication you know it's 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 the envelope that the message goes in you know and so what you want to do is you want to make that envelope you know as you like you don't want that to be a hassle like, oh yeah like you just want it to be an oh I want to open that and then like you don't want to make you want to what you have to say to just come through and for you, the story to just be immediate you know and for the the emotion to be immediate even though if I mean you might want want people to do some work as they're listening and lead them some you know but the writer's in control of what's happening mm-hmm. and the writer's the one who sets the tone and says okay here's the pace we're going here here's here's where we're going to start the story here's where we're going to end the story here's the point I want you to get and like that doesn't have to be an accident I love how the different ways that people tell stories reveals things about the teller. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember like coming in to my English class as a junior. We had to read, I don't remember, uh, Farewell to Arms, probably. Anyway, and just being like, uh, just being uh, kind of angry. Like, he doesn't use any punctuation. Like, these sentences are so long. Like, I hate this, it's stupid. He's like, I was totally with you up until your last sentence. You know, he's like, yeah. yeah, he doesn't use any punctuation. And the sentences are really long. Why? You know, and I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't, I was too like, man, to, yeah. but it stuck with me, you know? And so <clears throat> I only went to college for a year. So after that year, I was just in this van and I didn't want to feel dumb. So every time we were in a small town I'd, or any, you know, any sort of, t- I would go find the used bookstore where we were playing, just go buy all the books that I thought smart people read. <laughs> And, um, and I would sit in the van and read them. And uh, it turns out that I probably read a lot more than most of my friends who actually, like, went to college, you know? Because yeah. I would just literally, and I, by the time my friends had graduated, that I was, like, their age, like, I'd, 
you know, pretty much had an English degree in my own head of like, well, I've read everything of Hemingway like three times and Steinbeck and Tolstoy and Dostoevsky and like, I just, but, and you know, the different ways those people tell stories is, is a huge aspect of it. It's not just the stories they choose to tell, but how they tell it, what words they use, what things they leave in and don't leave in. And it's oh, yeah. the same, you know, and it's the same with songwriting, you know, what guitar tones you use and if your songs are long or short and you know how you sing it your vocal phrasing I mean all that kind of stuff like that's a part of communicating the story and um and just learning to you know trying to learn to manipulate as much of that as you can I mean now you you came you came to Nashville to go to college yeah uh, to pursue an English degree yeah just kind of in the interest of time fast forwarding through some of this but you uh ended up getting a record deal Mm -hmm. and then and your band The Normals was the band that got that deal. Yeah. So how much did you, because you, you were so young, you were, you were 18 or 19? I was 19 the day I signed the contract. Okay. It was my, on my birthday. Oh, it was on your birthday. It was a freshman That's in insane college. because I remember who I was at 19, especially as a songwriter. And I think my ego would have said like, yeah, I'm ready for this. But, <laughs> but like my songwriting ability was still in, in infant stages. Uh, oh, mine too. So was it kind of, and I know that you kind of, that, that first Normals record you're not too big of a fan of um, yeah. kind of in hindsight and for good reason because you did it is, it is kind of the the baby steps of your songwriting yeah, yeah. but I know myself included and a lot of people that's how they were introduced to you but I mean how do you weigh that between like yeah. I know you love this the, these things but they physically hurt me when I hear them <laughs> yeah oh man that first record because they still have some of the first songs you've ever, you've ever, you've ever wrote. Oh, yeah, record. those were... Half that record were, were songs that my high school band did. I mean, like, we had... I had written as a junior in high school. I mean, there's liter- there's a song on my first record about... I'm, I'm mad at my dad because he wouldn't let me go to the mall. I mean, that's how... I'm like, okay... <laughs> yeah, that's... Yeah. Like, I have... I have... My kids are in the public school system. You know, yeah, like... Yeah. I no longer think that way. Like, <laughs> I can relate to things on my second record, but I can't mm-hmm. relate to things on the first record. Um... But also, I mean, sonically, it, the producer we worked with just kind of had his thing. He had this thing he wanted us to be, and it's not what we wanted to be. And we were too young to sort of say, no, this isn't what we want to be. And we didn't have the vocabulary to say, this is what we'd like to do. Like, we we were just sort of What like, perception going into that? Like, who did, who did you... What kind of record do you think you were making as opposed to what came out? We wanted to be Radiohead. He and the label probably wanted us to be, you know, FFH or something. Right. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, something that they, and, uh, and neither <laughs> of us communicated that to the other, you know, so yeah, it's as oh. much, it's not like it's there, they're this big evil machine. It was like, there's just a conflict. We were also and... dumb kids who had no idea. Like, what's funny is, I mean, even like, I remember getting in fights with my parents all the time when I was in high school. They would listen to Christian music and I hated it. I hated it. It gave me like, physical reactions to how much I hated it and I still feel that way mm-hmm. like they'll say that type of music and that this but there's a worldview connected to that that is very against my worldview it's very against my understanding of scripture um, when I was 16 I didn't have a vocabulary to explain why I didn't like it and I just I just whined about it mm-hmm and it, yeah, I don't like it, you know. Yeah. Um, now, I mean, I could sort of, actually I, now of, I can have a conversation like, you know, can we not listen to this? Because here are some things about this that mm-hmm. really frustrate. You actually have a case. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I'm like, my, what's funny is that like, <laughs> as I get older, like, 
a lot of things that I believed, I'm like, thank God I don't believe that anymore. But some things I, you know, like I still feel that way. I just have, I just understand why I feel that way. I feel the same way about my theology. Like there are things I knew or didn't, things I didn't like or didn't understand or didn't like feel comfortable with. And now I'm like, okay, well, not that I understand anymore. I understand less now, but at least I have, I can have a comfort. I understand the vocabulary to talk about it. And it's the same with our, that first record. Like we didn't have a vocabulary to say like, we, this is what we would like to be. But over the course of like our first two years on the road and trying to play those songs and trying to make those songs do what we wanted them to do. And they just weren't doing it. Um, so you very quickly grew as a band <laughs> like past those songs. Yeah. I, mean, I know I mean, going we, on the road does. I mean, it, that, that first record, we'd never played a, we'd never played a show outside of like, wow. we'd played 10 shows in high school. I mean, like we weren't a band. They were just some songs that a, a college kid had written. Mm-hmm. That's it. Um, so once we were on the road, we were learning how to, to and then also, um, we were on our own for the first time, we got involved in some good teaching, like, and then we actually, the, the normal, we had written a whole, like a, a whole second record that we never ended up making. Like we have 15 or 20 demos of songs that we played live for over a year that we loved and we thought was like our next record. We were so frustrated they wouldn't let us make the record. And those songs were way better than the first record, but they were nowhere near as good as what ended up being the second mm-hmm. record. But sort of in the midst of my writing for that second record, which was the first time I actually ever intentionally was trying to write for a record. Instead of just writing to Instead of fun. just, yeah. Like, um, so then we got, we got a, we had a new A&R guy, um, a guy named Mark Nicholas, who now, um, runs a publishing company that I work with here in town. Um, he's just an amazing guy. And he just kicked my butt over my writing. And so he would, you know, I would, on a, a couple times a week, would go to his office for hours, play him new songs. We'd listen to music. He, like, he would critique it to the tiniest detail. I mean, he tore me apart. Like, songs I thought were perfect. Mm-hmm. Like I, I mean, it was like homework. Yeah. And I was in like I was nineteen and twenty, so I like I still was in that mindset. Of like, okay, I'll go home and work on it. You know, he just was like, and I would get so mad at him and just so like wanting to these things to be better. But you know, I'd play him something, and then he'd play me some songs. Like I think this is what you're wanting to listen to. This listen to how you know he introduced me to a lot of bands I'd never heard of, and um, remember him talking about like. This one changed a lot for me. The Innocence Mission, if you heard that oh, yeah. band, but who I mean, I, I enjoy. I'm not like a diehard, but I, I do enjoy them a lot. But there was a song where she talks about like um, having this ticket stub in her pocket, and how um, she puts it on the counter and she keeps meaning to do something with it, but then she keeps walking past it and forgetting about it. And every time she sees it, she goes, "Oh, I need to do something with that. Oh, I need to do something with that." And um, and then in the very last, I think it's I think this is the way the song works. It's been a while since I've heard it, but the, somewhere in the end, she basically says, "And that's how I am with God." Oh. And um, and I mean the chorus is like, "And I walk past the ticket stub, and I walk past the ticket stub." And I mean, oh, the first time I heard that, it, it both it made me cry. It was am- it's an mm-hmm. amazing song, and just that way of looking at it. Because I just, especially growing up in the church and like church songs are church songs and they need to be like, 
They're very literal. Yeah, very literal. Yeah, that sort of metaphor, and it's not really spelled out, and you have to... It makes perfect sense you're tracking with it because it's telling a story, mm-hmm. and then there's this, like, twist. It's just... It works... It's a grown-up song. Like, that's the way... That's that's the way... That's It was just great writing. And I, yeah. I, I think until... Even though I had heard great writing, I didn't. I wasn't able to recognize it in songs yet, and I think that's what he taught me more than anything was just how to apply what I was lo- loving in Steinbeck and Hemingway to songwriting. And so, and at the same time, we were touring with Waterdeep, who I wasn't just mm-hmm. fascinated with, and and Don is that same type of writer. And what I loved about his songs, like when I first heard him, he's got these songs about like just everyday things. And um and some and he what's so great about him is that he would work in like an Old Testament reference as the metaphor as opposed to the metaphor like you trying to explain us us explain about David saying it's like if you were the, you know and use some modern day example to get you to understand about David he'd be talking about your life and then or his life or whatever and then he'd throw in this reference to you know to some Old Testament character. And it, all of a sudden, it made like, oh, so that stuff matters. Those were real people. Like, <laughs> yeah. I'd never thought about that. Like, all the years I'd grown up in the church, and no, none, none of that had ever meant anything to me. And in one song, all of a sudden, like, the history of the Bible had a great impact on my life. Wow. Um, and, and I mean, I still do that. All, like, that's a trick that I use a lot. And I love it. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not, and it's his. Like, it's his trick. So it was that process over those those first couple of years after that first record of of just sort of identifying the things that um, that we wanted to shoot for, and then really just working it and working it and working it. And good writing doesn't happen by accident; it's, it happens by writing, and then writing again yeah. and editing yeah. and destroying what you just did and writing again. And how important is it to not get too attached to something that you've written? <laughs> oh, that's the that's one of the most important things. It's it's second only to get off the couch yeah. and write, like turn off the TV. Yeah, because there are so many times where I'm I know personally, like I'm so sold on this, like this is gonna mm-hmm. this is this is gonna work. I'm gonna pound it in submission, and where but where I can't see past that to go, like well maybe there's something the work being done here maybe can be applied to the next thing if you just just let it go. Like th- mm-hmm. maybe if this isn't working, there's a reason it's not. Yeah, and maybe go and see what what's behind that. Yeah, and I feel like it took me a lot longer than it should have uh, to realize that. But uh, but it, I mean, it is what it is, and that's that's kind of the process. I feel like, but uh, yeah, I mean, I like that's that's when I'm producing records. I like in, when we're in the pre-production stage before we start recording, we're just talking through the songs. And I always tell people at the beginning of the day, I'm like, you are gonna you are gonna be really mad at me <laughs> at some point today. Because there's going to be something that you think is awesome that I'm going to say. That doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. And it's always the things that don't that don't work that you feel strongly, most the strongest about. Because at some point, some part of you knows it's not working. But you work so hard to get it there yeah. that you're not going to let it go. Yeah. And then some schmuck comes in from Nashville and is like, mm, that doesn't work. Get rid of that. Not good. Next. But I mean, that that's the kind of thing that we will never learn on our own. Like, that's the community. Is, it's only... We will only learn that from other people. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's just it's, coming in from a different perspective too. Having, you, yeah, having somebody so in it. Yeah, that having, you can't see it. Yeah, like other finding other people that 
speak the same language and that do you trust <laughs> yeah that, yeah that like it's like it's one thing if some you know i get some email from some random stranger i don't like that second verse like yeah i don't know who you are and i don't care yeah have fun on your blog yeah exactly but like when andy goldhorn's like i don't get that second verse I'm like, oh. oh okay i better probably reword that second verse yeah, yeah. It's, it's because he's a great songwriter and i know that he understands what i'm trying to do because you know he gets it and mm-hmm. so and I, you know, and I, I mean, novel like the history. When you read about like great writers, like they're always surrounded by other great writers, almost always. I mean, yeah, I can't think of any exceptions. You think, um, you, but when you think of writing, you just the the image that comes up for me anyway is the 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 guy on on a mountain or the guy oh, yeah. alone in a cabin somewhere. Yeah, uh, and and that's not often the case. Like you have to surround because it is you can't get lost in the medium. There, yeah, you have to be like, well, there's this thing, and I don't think it's any good. Can you look at it? And then yeah. there's the kind of aha, like this is brilliant. Or change this and this, and it'll be perfect. Or yeah, this is trash. You need to write something else. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. You need that. You need that opinion. Yeah, you can get so sold on an idea. Yeah, that that you can't see outside of it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I feel like like our culture carries with it in relation to artists, like the myth of genius. Whereas genius is something we label people. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, well, then they can do no wrong. You know, like, whether it's, you know, Bono is a genius. Adam Duritz is a genius. You know, like, it's, you know. Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney is a genius. Paul it's McCartney like, has made not good records. Which... Everybody has made not good <laughs> records. No matter who you are, you've made yeah. not good records if you make records. No matter who you are as a writer, you've written mm-hmm. bad novels. Now, are there works of genius? I think absolutely. And there are moments of like where your hard work and divine inspiration, all those things happen at this, like... Yeah, they align. It, it, it aligns mm-hmm. and and works do more than the sum... They become more than the sum of their parts. And the parts are words and an author. I call myself looking in the mirror Wishing I was someone else I was born with this bleeding heart and veins of loneliness and I've known it I've held it right here in my arms but love can't seem to break me down and I've pleaded and begged and bloodied my much time left but i wanted to talk about uh this because it's something that's going on right now uh you have uh, a kickstarter campaign i do yeah for a new record that you is a conceptual record uh, talk a little bit about that where where the idea what the idea is first yeah the idea it's um i've had this idea for a couple years and it's a, it's the story it's set in space outer space outer space okay. <laughs> perhaps you've heard of that um it's uh, yeah. It's set like 300 years in the future, 
And the story is this guy named Leonard Bell. Um, he loses his wife in this accident, um, but they're in the process of a divorce. And um, so, anyways, he's kind of just uh, keeps losing this woman, um, and he's just in his sort of rage and grief. He uh, he takes a gig on a long distance space freighter, so he'll be alone in a spaceship for like a year. Um, and because of relativity, by the time he gets back from this trip, uh, everybody he knows will be really old or dead. So, uh, he's got this year in a spaceship alone, so um, I'm going to make... Well, he's going to make a record in his you know, his spare time. And so that's the record Which that Which he has make. a lot of. Which he has a lot of. <laughs> <laughs> Sadly, he has a lot more than I will have to make this record. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm going to I'm gonna build... Um, like a like a model of a space like the interior of a spaceship like a movie set kind of thing and um and I'm gonna make the record in uniform um <laughs> which it's funny now like I've heard I know this <laughs> you've heard not, this story it's not insane to it's me it's not crazy like, no it's but, but I'm trying to put you know <laughs> new new ears on and like that that's not like that had to have come from somewhere first off that had to have come from somewhere close to your heart um to, because it it sounds so unprecedented in a weird way like why would you do that but and all and also the idea like that sounds like an idea that you would have but be afraid people wouldn't think was very cool and yeah so they would they would immediately discard and be like i'll just make a mm-hmm. i'll just make a, a modern worship record yeah <laughs> because gonna, that's safe uh, or i don't, so, you know, I don't think i'm gonna do that yeah i know that um, but you know like so where do you get kind of the the wherewithal to be like you know what this is me, this is who I am, I'm going to come out and make this thing because I think it could be great. Yeah, that's a good question. That's, that's, that is the question. Do you still struggle with that, even though it's out now? like Because I know for a while you were kind of sitting on this idea. A little bit, And you're yeah. kind of like, let me pull you over in the corner and tell you about that. I want to write this thing. Now follow me. And yeah, you know, yeah, it, yeah. Well, it's, it's like, I mean, the thing start, this thing started because I'm an insomniac. A, a, a responsible way of handling your insomnia is to like stay in bed and try to fall asleep. Right. And to try, but my, my brain just really doesn't function well in, in disengaging, and um, and uh, and it never has since I've been twelve. I've had this problem. So what I do is I kind of make up stories in my head of like, or I'll, um, and I, for a while I'd make up stories and they would get too involved and then I'd get sucked in the story and they'd keep me up. So I started just one night I was like, okay, just think of something that will help me. Just that I don't care about. Like, just think about it until I fall asleep. Mm. And um, I was like, okay, if I had a spaceship, what would it be like? How would I, de- if I was going to be alone in a spaceship, how would I, what would I want it to be? And so every night I would lay in bed and I would kind of like add things to my spaceship. Like, oh, it needs a library, you know? <laughs> and um, and then of course I started populating it with, and I ended up creating this sort of story to help me fall asleep. Mm-hmm. And then one day I wrote a song about, about it. And I loved the song. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> it's happening. I'm going to have to do something with this. And then I just, but I mean, it got me excited. And then I was like, oh, I could write like more songs, but I could do a whole like record about this. And then the more I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, it would be really fun if I like. And then I just, yeah, you know, dreamed just, it up. Oh, yeah, yeah. It just kind of, and then, <clears throat> so I had been thinking it for over a year without telling anybody. And then I told a few friends and they like loved it. And then the fact that I put out like, choosing sides instead of that spaceship record they were like come on man do the spaceship yeah. record and um which was the first time I mean nobody's ever been like hey you need to 
people are asking me about a record that I haven't written. Yeah. You know, it's only yeah. like there's five songs. And people are asking me about Does it. Does that because... make it wor- harder or easier because you... <coughs> Both. You know, it's like, well, now, that, now I have like expectations I want to live up to, but I, I think I work well under those conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, like I like when the stakes are high. I feel like yeah, you just play I, better. I kind of like you know? too, and, yeah. And, um, and I feel like the stakes are high on this one, and I'm, I'm excited about that because they haven't been on it in my solo records. Mm-hmm. They're sort of like, I mean, even when I'm when you're we're making a record with a band, like there are families involved to like, have, you know, like a record that a band makes has to, especially if it's a, the band's full time, it's got to be successful because it's taking care of a lot of people's overhead. You know, yeah. there's a whole business to support by this record. And so there's always been this huge weight over those records, and I haven't had that weight on my own. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, it's just it's always been kind of a side gig. And so this is the first time I feel like, okay, I'm laying all my cards on the table here. This is who I am. And but then the other the other aspect of the question that you asked is, to me, there's a real gospel calling in it of being who you're meant to be. Like I think there's like being true to yourself in a stupid do whatever feels right, man. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, what I saw in community and I like, I mean, really, it's all about just whatever makes you happy. Do that. Like, no, that's a really irresponsible way to yeah. live. Um, and unsustainable in any long-term setting. But then there's another way of living where we realize that we're made by a creator and we're made to be individuals. And that maybe the things that excite me, like if I deny that those things excite me, I start denying who God has made me to be and the fact that I love epic stories and I love and and community has been such a huge thing in my life because I was so lonely for so long being that kid in the seventh grade table when we ate with the Japanese kids mm-hmm. to I'm married and I have a family and I have a large community of friends who really love me deeply my life is so changed by that and this this story I mean it's a very it, I'm basically telling that story in a way without just being like, oh, I know, I was seventh grade, I didn't have any friends. It, it's a way to sort of tell the story and, and also, to, you know, to talk about the fact that, like, marriage has not, has not been an easy thing, but it's been a really good thing. Um, and, and to be able to tell those stories in a, in a context that is both fun and sort of silly, which I've never been silly because I've always felt like, oh, you know, Pearl Jam and Counting Crows. Like when I started listening to music, it was so freaking deep, it was man. So super serious. Yeah, and um, ah, uh, and I was always so super serious, and I thought it was cool to be sad. And I've just like in the last couple of years, have really like woken up and mm-hmm. like laugh a lot, and I have a lot of fun. And I mean, especially with kids, I'm like we're silly and we're like you have no choice with kids. Like yeah, they'll bring it out of you. And I mean, like I have friends like you who are like freaking hilarious, you know and. That's um, true. <laughs> and so, I mean, it, it's kind of, it's just, to me, like, I don't know a better way to tell to tell my own story than to do this. Wow. It, it feels like any other way would be sort of like, I'd only be telling half of it. It's like, no, I'm a nerd, and I have people that love me, and this is really fun, and also, these are the things that I've learned. And the song, some of these songs are, there are a couple of these songs that are like the deepest songs that I've ever written. I mean, like soul like I can't believe I just put that on paper um and when I sing it like there's this intensity to these songs that like it kind of freaks me out how intensely I'm feeling these songs 
Um, and if they if and if I wasn't singing them from another person's perspective, I'd never be able to do it. Like there's just no way. Like I don't have the. I don't want to do that to the people in my life, and also mm. I'm terrified of like committing to that as a as a person. You know, like. Um, and I feel like that's staying true to sci-fi as well because sci-fi did have that. It's always been this social commentary. Yeah. Put in this other. Like box. Yeah, great so science fiction is what it. that is. What, and so I feel like that's that. staying yeah. true. That's really that's like people who are into right. sci-fi because of like weird costumes and stuff. Like I don't relate to that yeah. at all. Like and no part of me wants to go to a convention. Yeah, but I love like you know these great shows or great books that like allow me to look at look at either you know current events, political events, political history. I mean like 1984 or Animal Farm. You know mm-hmm. and like the, you know these things that like will look at a look at something in a way you just change the context and you get you you can look at it in a way that otherwise you you were never able to approach and I, i'm basically using this as a way to look at my own life so i know some people some people said like well what, you know i'd love to help you make a record but i don't really want to help you build a spaceship and I'm like i totally get that that was totally fine you don't hurt my feelings no um but i wanted to be like but just so you know like this is this is gonna be better than anything yeah. else I've ever done. Like, yeah, I, I feel, I feel, I feel like, like that's the thing because it is such kind of a unprecedented. Like I don't know a record that it has this. There probably isn't a record that has this kind of theme or, or more specifically, like the details involved in it. Um, but I feel like that's gonna be the envelope. Like people, yeah. people are gonna want to open for better or for worse to hear what that's gonna yeah. sound like. And if and I feel like just from the little I've heard and what you're talking about, like it's gonna be this kind of thing where you don't expect to be emotionally wrapped up. They just want, kind of wanted to see yeah. peek in and see what it was. That's going. kind of my, I mean, and that's the other thing about it is like when I started talking about it, you know, people's first reaction was like, dude, when are you building the spaceship? Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, okay, well, if, if, if that makes, in, if that yeah. makes you listen to the record and then the record moves you, yeah. like, that's, that's a double win, you know? So it was like, so there's this aspect of it became, a, it's already become a marketing tool and I didn't mean it to. Yeah. I'm like, if this, if it helps in a, spreading the word about what I do way. Yeah. And for it to be a record that I like fully believe in. And what's, what's funny is the people, the closer people are to me, the more they've, the more that this has not shocked them and they've championed it. Like my wife, who I thought would be like, please don't do that to us. (laughs) Has been like, right on. She's been, I've been so, uh, just grateful for her support of it. And I mean, when I put the Kickstarter thing up, it was like, she was sitting on the couch next to me and I was so nervous. I'm like, because it wasn't just like, oh, I hope I raise this money. It's like, I'm li- I'm putting out there who I am yeah. in a way that I've never had before. That's awesome. When so, does when does it end? Okay, yeah, I look. That's I wasn't texting. I was looking up um, the date on my iPhone. Um, <laughs> so this is gonna go up on on Sunday. Uh, so Friday, May sixth, at nine o'clock central, it is done. And Wait, we're, PM or AM? PM. Oh yeah, because he went up. At, so for, yeah, sorry. so for, this Friday, if you're listening to it this week, May whatever. Yeah, hopefully this weekend. First week of May 2011. Um, you have until Friday. And we're close. We're not. Uh, right? Yeah, it's not super. It's less far than four thousand dollars away. So um, that's um, great. And when when are you preparing to uh, record it and have it available? Uh, I'll do that? it in the fall. I'm not sure when it'll come out. Probably early 2012. Right. Um, if the world doesn't end. That's assuming, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, obviously, yeah. it goes without saying. <laughs> I sort of live my life knowing that. Yeah, my we're calendar. probably all gonna die. My, yeah. Well, thanks for coming to. <laughs> well, Andy, thanks for doing this, dude. My pleasure. Thanks for letting me ramble under your microphone. No, this is hour. great. This is what podcasts are. They're just rambling. They're rambling.
Oh, well, good. Well, that's it for the first episode. Uh, we made it through it. We did it. What else can we ask for? Nothing. That's what we can ask for. Nothing. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, this is this has been a lot of fun. If you would like to check out Andy's stuff, his uh, music, and as well as this new record that uh, that he's in the process of making right now, if you go to ilikeandy.com. If you want to get a hold of us as well, uh, you can send an email to who writes this stuff podcast at gmail.com. Or check us out on Facebook and Twitter is at Who Writes Pod, and follow for updates and upcoming guests and Twitter questions uh, for the upcoming guests and cool stuff like that. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this. This is a really cool little mini dream come true for me. And uh, my name is Nick Flora, and have a great week. <laughs> <laughs>